With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Majesty is a premium health and wellness tea line focused on bringing delicious yet healthy tea blends to the community. Filled with an abundance of vitamins and antioxidants. Send it to you, would you be... Oh, we're back. Antioxidants, we work to blend teas with exotic spices and fruits to produce scrumptious and wholesome beverages. So check us out at MyMajesties.com. That's M-Y-M-A-J-E-S-T-E-A-S.com. My Majesties, an Urban Passport member. Are you hungry for authentic Caribbean food? Like jerk chicken, oxtail, red snapper, shrimp, tofu, and rasta pasta? Well, find your way over to Mango's Caribbean Restaurant, 180 Auburn Avenue, right next to Royal Pika in downtown Atlanta. Mango's Caribbean Restaurant, open daily from 11 a.m. to 10 p.m. And on Friday and Saturday, we're open till 4 a.m. Come to Mango's and put some spice in your life. Oh, we've got a Mango's Caribbean Restaurant, 180 Auburn Avenue, right next to Royal Peacock. In downtown Atlanta. For more info or directions, call 404-698-3992. Or log on to mangoscaribbeanrestaurant.com. For instant coupons, text M-A-N-G-O-S to 313131. Mango's Caribbean Restaurant. Authentic Caribbean cuisine. This is Carlos Brown, letting you know that we're on the move. You can now catch the Carlos Brown Show beginning this July on the Black College Sports Network each and every Saturday from 11 to 1 Eastern Time. That's 10 to 12 Central Time. Same time, new place. On Facebook at the Carlos Brown Show and Black College Sports Network. Online at www.mybcsn.net and on the BCSN app available on Google Play and the Apple App Store. This is the Dean of the College of HBCU Sports, Kenyatta Caville of Dr. Caville's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop. Come mix it up in the lab where the course lecture is in session every Tuesday from 6 o'clock p.m. Central Standard Time on Facebook Live, YouTube, Spreaker, or the BCSN app. As we discuss all things about the HBCU sports culture, including exploring the week that was in the sporting HBCU dashboard, as well as the upcoming week of HBCU sports. With me, the Dean, the College of HBCU Sports, on Dr. Cavill's Inside HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Watson and Charles Bishop. Course lecture dismissed. It's like a loot machine. Welcome back to the BCSN Sports Wrap. Brian and Drew here. And we were in the middle of our discussion about the uh, SWAC media day, some of Drew's observations that he saw. I want to add on a couple things, Drew, before we kind of look at predictions and what the results were. Um, just some general notes. I, I thought I'm going to go for a second back to Jackson State. And I, I think one of the interesting things that has come out in the day or two since the media day were some comments made by Shadur Sanders. <laughs> and these were comments that he made during his stand-up interview with HBCU Game Day. And obviously, you can go see this for yourself. But I'm going to just read some quotes because the quotes are already starting to get get some attention, especially from Rattler Nation. Fam, you folks who are already chomping at the bit, you know, as they're playing Jackson State first. Uh, so the quotes are from Shadour. And I, I, I want you to remember, he has not played a game yet. 
you know, hesitate. It was, it's rather rare to see. I'd asked a lot of people. I said, when's the last time you've seen a freshman at media day? And I don't think too many people were getting, I mean, I think maybe people may have referenced one other person, but most people couldn't recall the last time a freshman had been at media day. Uh, so he says, Shador does, he says, quote, we're very different. The offense, receivers, O-line, it's a whole different team. You can't really compare us to the old JSU. We're the new JSU. Uh, he went on to refer to JSU's defense as an SEC defense, given that uh, there are several Power 5 transfers on both sides of the ball. All right. Um, he went on to say um, he wanted to make, and, and, and you know, this is the part I think that gets people riled up. Uh, when asked how success against his own defense would translate against SWAC teams, Sanders said it equates to a blowout. You got to understand. Y'all really don't understand. It's players that have a different caliber of talent that all came to JSU. So it's like when you compare us to a regular SWAC team, a different SWAC team, the best, we didn't come here because we had to. We come here because we chose to. It's a difference. Whew. Wow. I mean, you know, there's other stuff here, but I'm, I think that right there, uh, you can go to HBCU game day and I'm sure read the rest of that or hear the rest of that. Uh, but Drew, what are your, what are your thoughts when you, I, I think had, had, had coach Sanders thing not happened, that would be the lead story. And it already has, cause it's been, it's been catching attention over the last 48 hours. He's definitely his daddy's child. <laughs> <laughs> well said. He's, I mean, the, the the confidence that he speaks with, you know, you have to grow up in with it. that type of confidence. Yes, you have to grow up in it to understand You it. have to grow up in it to understand it. And he thinks there's nothing wrong with that, which is fine. That's who he is. So. Is he lying? On paper. He may be correct. You've got a lot of SEC transfers. Right. But just keep in mind, these people transfer for a reason. True. And you're not getting five-star SEC players. You're getting twos, threes, and a sprinkle of fours. No, they're they're getting mostly mostly fours, weren't they? But wait, some of them been, some of them been threes. A lot of them have been threes. But guess what? So is FAMU. So is Southern. Everybody's getting a sprinkle of it. You know, the, the biggest thing with Jackson State to me is the roster turnover and how quickly or how long will it take for them to blend? Just because you have a talented team on paper does not mean you will get a, a, a W. You're right. You know, we, we, we've seen it. How long did it – let's go back to the Miami Heat back when the when LeBron and Bosh and Wade came together. How long did it take for them to jail? They did not win a championship that first year. Right. Just, well, just, some, just some things to think about. But I, I think in this respect, though, if you believe – that the best of the best get recruited by SEC schools. So that instantly already puts you in an evaluation level, maybe a step in front of some other people, okay? That, and I'm just saying, if you, if you believe that, and there are a lot of people who do, then instantly when you say things that says, we're playing an SEC defense. I mean, he went on to say, we have a cornerback cornerback that was supposed to be at Georgia, another one that was at Florida State, another one 
that was at the University of Florida, another one that was at South Carolina. So what he's telling you is we have guys who were, now those guys have to do their job. Yeah, they were evaluated and supposed to be better. And so I guess what you could maybe draw from that, Drew, maybe where I'm trying to say is if all and all 10 or 11 of those guys understand because they've been in it and they know that the pressure cooker is different, that when the light comes on, it's time to perform at a higher level. See, I remember I heard Dion say that there were certain guys within the program when it was time to turn on and turn it up a notch, they didn't know how to do that because they'd never done it before. They weren't that high level guy or whatever. Well, now you got guys who understand what Dion's talking about when he's saying it's time to, to put your big boy pants on and really turn up a notch. They know what that means because they've been there. Those are kids who've been in the practices and been on the field and competed, or they've been on the sideline and seeing what it's like when coach says, turn it up a notch because you're playing the best. So it's like everybody comes together at the same time. I, I don't know how true that, I don't know how organically that can be drawn or sewn together, but I think that's what he's talking about. I, I just, look, I, I just think when, I think the line that gets me, you, you, is he says, we didn't come here because we had to. We came here because we chose to. That's the line I think that's going to piss people off. What do you think? I, I agree with him. I agree with him. You know, for so long, HBCUs have been you couldn't get anywhere, you couldn't play anywhere else. So let me go back to an HBCU because I can always get an HBCU. Now, HBCU, a lot of these kids' first choice. And that's a good thing. That's definitely a good thing that people are considering HBCUs first. But let's keep something in mind. Shadur Sanders is a true freshman. Yes, his dad has played for 50, 60, 70,000. But the most you do with Sanders has probably played before is 1,500, 2,000 people. When you step into Hard Rock Stadium, Miami Gardens, Florida, and there are 50,000 people in that stadium, 30,000 of them probably in green and orange. Yeah. How I, are you going to react? I agree. That, that's we know what your dad would do. That's we know what your older brother would do because he's played at that level. Mm -hmm. What will you do? Right. And that and, that's the thing. That's the thing. So, and, and, and you know, I think they and I, and I hope it's not a deer in headlight. I hope he really does live up to the hype. Well, yeah, I, I hope he has a quick a quick release and quick feet because that's going to be the key. And, and I think the realist of Jackson State fans, uh, there are some out there, despite what a lot of us think, there are some that, that understand that that is sort of the limitation that this team will have to deal with this year is the fact that they do have a freshman. And it may take him midseason before he starts to look comfortable. Or what, what do they say before the game slows down? But I'll tell you what, if he comes out and looks really good in the first couple weeks, that tells you that who he, who he has been practicing against really is a top-notch group of guys because they've helped him get comfortable because of the pressure that they've been putting on him in practice, yeah. right? Great. Now, here's the question I've got. Will daddy pull him? And what will be the reaction when daddy pulls him? And who's the backup quarterback for when daddy pulls him? Uh, Well, you know, look, I, I don't, at some point when you're when you're not getting it done, I think I think Sanders will pull his son. I, and I but I and I think he'll be back starting next week. You know, I mean if you have if you throw if you're not making the right reads and you make three or four consecutive bad plays and and bad drives, you know, there's an adjustment that'll have to get made. 
And I, and I don't think Sanders will not make it at the sacrifice of his own son. I think his own son understands that if I'm not playing well, I'm not going to be out there long. So that's another thing that the, the, the high-level elite players understand that. They, if they're not playing well, they're not going to be out there long, right? They get, they get it. Uh, so, all right, moving off of Jackson State, how about Grambling for a second? Now, Grambling's an interesting case because another, you know, Coach Fobbs, when they initially had the coaches called at the beginning of the media day event, this is something you had to be in the room to hear. They went alphabetical order, or at least from east to west in order of calling everybody up by school. And the coaches came up and they took a nice photo. Well, guess who got skipped over when they went through the starting with the West teams? They skipped over the G. After they went to Alcorn, they skipped over Grambling and went right to the next letter. And they realized as they got to the end, oh, sorry, Coach Fobbs, grambling. So I this I caught it and I was like, ooh. I was like, how do you forget grambling? How does the swack forget grambling? I mean, that's your blue, that's one of your blue blood programs, right? I mean, yeah, next to next to Prairie View Southern uh Jackson State. I mean, that that's it. That's your that's your that's your blue bloods. You're not supposed to forget the G. They did. And so it's funny. I was listening to the interview with Charles Edmond that he did and Coach Fobbs, which I'm a, I'm a firm believer. Grambling's going to fix it. You, you have to – a lot of people are down on Grambling after what happened in the spring. Yes, they blew up a lot of things on the offensive side of the ball. But the defense was still pretty good. I mean, let's. I mean, short of that, that that game in the uh, Bayou Classic or whatever that was against Southern. <laughs> that Bayou team, fiasco. Bayou fiasco. That that team traditionally is pretty good on that side of the ball, right? He that will get fixed. That'll get fixed. But I think all of those little things add up, and it sounds like he's got a quarterback, Elijah Walker, who was one of the obviously he and Jeremy Hickbottom played in the spring Hickbottom ended up transferring now Hickbottom of course the two previous years was a good quarterback for Grambling I mean you know many people thought I mean Hickbottom going into the this year if we were to play a full year was going to be one of the leading quarterbacks in the conference and uh you know so for Hickbottom to transfer somewhere in the middle of the season or to lead the team and then later transfer out uh, you know, presumably we thought it was he was right going, around the COVID stuff. Yeah, he was, supposedly was going to Bethune Cookman, but I don't know if he ended up at Bethune Cookman. I, I don't know. That's where originally we saw that he was supposed to go, but I haven't, I haven't seen anything yet. It's one of those things we'll have to kind of pay attention to. But in listening to the interview, Fobbs really likes what Walker brings. He's a transfer from Louisiana Tech, also went to Hines Community College. He really likes the poise and the leadership that Walker has shown. Uh, and, and so I think that is who's going to be leading Grambling. And it'll be interesting to watch Grambling this season. I, I do not think they will be as low as many people thought or think of them as. Um, two other teams that I think are going to be, I mean, obviously the UAPB, disrespect is going to be a big story obviously they weren't picked very high in the preseason rankings um for the conference uh, they were actually picked fifth in the slack west i mean they won the west last year picked fifth preseason so that's very shocking <laughs> so uh that you know that that had a lot of people floored trust me had a lot of people floored and I think the other team preseason pick number five, Bethune-Cookman. A lot of people don't know what Bethune-Cookman's walking into, walking into the season with, but I'll tell you, Bethune-Cookman walked into the building, and I want to get the guys' names right, and I wrote them down because 
they were two of the biggest dudes that were there. Uh, linebacker Ontario Johnson and tight end Taryn Mallard. And Drew, both of those brothers were at least 6'5 and 6'6". Six, six. I can't tell you which one's the linebacker and which one the tight end. I think the tight end was a 6'6 six, six guy and the linebacker was 6'5". <laughs> I think. But let me just say, those two guys, if that's why Sims brought them, okay, I understand why you brought them to because that was a that was a that was a that was a check moment around the room to say, look at your guys, look at my guys. You guys got us ranked fifth. Okay. You go ahead and do that. And and all Terry Sims has done 2019, seven and four, five and three in the conference. 2018, seven and five, five and two in the conference. 2017, seven and four, six and two in the conference. Bethune plays a very competitive, tough non-conference schedule. What, guess who one of those two wins are in the non-conference have been against? SWAT teams. And then uh, they, they played Valley a couple years ago, didn't they? And they played Jackson State too. Uh, they 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 played a SWAT team. I think every year during Sims's last three to four seasons. Um, but this team is usually three, two losses. They finished 500 back in 2016 in conference. They're not used to being in conference and finishing less than 500. And so be very, be very aware of what Bethune and Arkansas Pine Bluff bring to the table. Um, well, you brought up an interesting thing that I slept on about Alcorn State. What, what was that? Uh, because of the sanction or penalty for them pulling out of the SWAC uh, schedule so late after the schedule had already been set to all the teams, the penalty that the conference uh, set, set for them is any place that they were supposed to go to last year, they have to go there this year if they happen to fall on the schedule. The next, they have to they have to return that home game that they were supposed to have last year. So, for instance, I believe Alcorn was scheduled to go to Jackson State last year. That game is now in Jackson this year, whereas originally with the master schedule, that game would have been in Alcorn. It would have been a home game in Lorman. Yeah, it would have been in Lorman. Yep. But now, so, yeah. And there, so, if you look at Alcorn's schedule from last year, the games that they were supposed to be on the road, those games are now home games either next year or the next time that they're supposed to play uh, that particular team. Because I believe A&M, uh, they were supposed to play A&M, but A&M is not on their schedule this year. So, next time they play A&M, that game will be at AM. So essentially, Alcorn State Alcorn has two home, two home conference games. Right. Three home games overall. Yes. And they have the one neutral site game at the beginning of the year in Atlanta. But everything else on the road at South Alabama. Then they get into, as you point out, Drew, six road conference games, four of them in a row between the Grambling State game and Prairie View, which are their two conference homes, they got four road games. Now, honestly, I don't think people, when they were giving uh, their predictions for the SWAC West, took that into consideration. You, yeah, you're, you're right. You're right. I mean, you can look at our own predicted order of finish there. Now, um, before you, before you, before you, well, you can leave that up there. Let me give the official predictions in the West. So according to the, the SIDs and the people who vote, the pre-six, the predicted order of finish for the SWAC, you've got Texas Southern at the bottom at six, UAPB at five, Prairie View at four, Grambling at three, Southern at two, Alcorn at one. Now, when you look at our predicted order of finish, you know, in comparison to um, 
in comparison to that, you know, I think outside of, you know, BJ Jones and myself there, the only two who picked Alcorn, uh, it looks like everybody else picked Southern. Now, and I understand that because it was a tough pick for me because Southern actually, uh, I actually, you know, when I broke down the entire season, I actually have Alcorn losing to Southern on the road. But I think Southern is a is a ready-made team in many people's eyes to win the West. As you can see, in second place for me, I've got Grambling. Again, that's based on my bold prediction that Grambling will beat Southern in the Bayou Classic. Uh, you can see Dr. Cavill with Preview A&M, one of the few people who actually, what's funny is me and Doc vary on Preview and Grambling. Most everybody thinks Grambling is going to be second worst, uh, whereas Doc thinks, um, or where I have Grambling high, and then Doc is very high on Prairie View. You're the only one who put Grambling that high. I am, yeah, that's really high, you know. But again, I'm, I'm, I'm trusted in fobs. My, my statement was, give me the T-shirt. I, I trust in fobs. You know, that, I'm, I'm telling you, I, I think he's going to get it done this year, or at least deserves the chance to get them back to a. Let me see, what, what's the record I have for Grambling this year? I have Grambling finishing five and three in the conference finishing five and three you know and and winning the tiebreaker against southern so what's your predicted order of finish in the west drew now of course the graphic i has is for both sides so you can go ahead and criticize me on both sides of the bracket all right well we're, we're, we're gonna start with the west so on the West, let's see. You've got Southern, Prairie View, Alcorn finishing third, UAPB, Grambling, and Texas Southern. So you you sort of fall in line with Dr. Cavill, it seems like, where you you, you think real highly of Prairie View A&M uh, and not so much about Grambling. You've got UAPB in the middle of the pack. Yeah, you almost have the same, same Western Conference picks with Doc there. Yes, yes. We almost... Uh... Yeah, you guys are practically step and step with each other. Um, all right. What is it about Prairie View that you like about Prairie View? Well, I, I, I like the schedule. Okay. I like their schedule. Uh, looking at Prairie View's schedule. I'm going to pull it up right here with you. I got it. Yeah, they, they they have... They start on the road at Texas Southern. That's a neutral site in Houston. And then they, um, they've got at Incarnate Word, host Houston Baptist. And that's all in the month of September along Pre with... Preview has been a quarterback away from competing over the last couple of years. They've went out, they've got some stuff in the portal. And I just have this... Funny feeling that, look, somebody who we think is going to be good is not going to be good this year. Somebody who we think is going to be bad is going to be good. There's too much parity in the swag on both sides of the, of the spectrum. So looking at the schedule, looking at a few other things, I took a flyer with Prairie View. Alcorn, because of that schedule, I cannot pick them any higher than three. But Drew, when you look at Alcorn's schedule, two of those two of those road games are at Mississippi Valley State at Texas Southern. Okay, I've got I've got Alcorn with five victories in conference. Yes, I've got them five and three in conference. All right, <clears throat> tied with Prairie View. At five and three. Okay. With Prairie View having the head to head, which is why I have them in second place. Okay. Wow. Okay. That's senior night. That's senior night in Alcorn. And Prairie View, Prairie View beats Alcorn. Yes. Okay. I'll let you hear that thought. I've got Southern at seven and one, UAPB at four and four, Grambling at three and five, and Texas Southern at two and six. No one will go under. Here's my bold prediction. 
No one will go undefeated. No one will go winless in the swag on either side. I think saying no one will go winless is, is probably bolder than no one will go unbeaten. I can't see anyone. I think it'd be amazing if somebody went unbeaten. I'm looking at that team in the running for the Black College National Championship. Anybody who goes unbeaten. Yeah, uh, in, in but this. no one uh, no one will go winless either. Okay. That's I, my bold prediction. That that's there will be no zeros. That's a good one. At the end on, on anybody's record at the end of the year. Here's what's interesting about Prairie View, right? It, and this is the now fourth year for Coach Dooley, right? 13 and 12 overall record. Um, his first two years, they had a they had a they had a dynamic offense. I went back and looked at the stats. That offense back in 2019 led the conference, averaging 35.3 a game. In those first two years, not only did he have an outstanding running back in Dewanya Tucker, I thought he had a pro quarterback in Jalen Morton who was very underrated. I mean, he had a great quarterback-running back combination. Okay, defense took some hits. Weren't as, weren't as strong and dominant as they looked this past spring. I'm just looking at what they did in the spring. A one-point win over Texas Southern, seven-point win against Grambling. Then they had games against AM Southern canceled. Then had to play at UAPB, lost by five points. Had the game against Jackson State canceled. They they really they really, I mean, I think had they beaten Arkansas Pine Bluff, I think. Prairie View might have ended up in the SWAC championship game had they won that game against UAPB. It was that close. Yes. So, and, and they, but they they were uh, they also could not participate in the championship game because of the sanctions. They were on probation. Oh, see, okay, I didn't know that. Okay. Yes. So look, I I think I don't. I'm not going to say Eric Dooley's on the hot seat. I mean, but. This is a program that has been about 500 in the three seasons he's been there. They could really, if, if they finish five and three and maybe win seven, eight games this year, I think it'd be a great season for Prairie View. Yeah. You know, I, I think, but, but, I, but I worry about where things will go and, and how long people will still be you know, enamored with the well-dressed Coach Dooley if they finish six and five, five and six. You know what I'm saying? I, I think winning eight games this year is like the, the standard or the bar that I think this team should be able to. Now, like you said, they got a returning quarterback coming, uh, running back coming. Defense is still good. I mean, the young man that he had with him, are are two outstanding defensive players. Prairie View is really going to be in the hunt this this upcoming year, and I, I think that's going to be a team that people need to watch out for. Um, yeah, let's flip over to the east. All right, so over on the east, the official the official breakdown for the east: Mississippi Valley State's in last. I mentioned Bethune Cookman fifth, Alabama State uh, just five votes ahead of them in fourth, Jackson State really just four votes ahead of Alabama State in third. I thought that was the most surprising given the number of votes. Florida A&M comes in at second. Alabama A&M picked first. Um, okay, so that was the official. What did, what did our crew, if you go back and look at our crew, from Carlos Jones, far left, BJ Jones, myself, we all picked A&M. To finish ahead, Charles of. Bishop is the homer. <laughs> Doctor Cavill sees Alabama A&M. Charles Bishop stays on script with Jackson State. Mike Washington even came over to fam to the FAMU side. You know, when I when I when I put this out, you know, I got so much slack or flack from Mike Washington, um, and then he he picks FAMU. So I, you know, I, I just it's funny. I think he was more upset about where I had Prairie View A&M than anything else. Um, yeah, so so a lot based on that prediction, I think a lot of people think Florida AM is going to beat Jackson State in uh, maybe with the exception of Charles. <laughs> people think AM is gonna beat Jackson State. What's your what's your predicted order 
Drew. Here we go. All right. So Drew over in the East has Alabama A&M. Surprising. Alabama State coming in in second. Uh, Florida A&M third. Jackson State fourth. Bethune fifth. Valley sixth. Why Alabama State so high? Why are you so high on Alabama State, Drew? They have a favorable schedule. Okay. Talk about it. They have a very favorable schedule. They have let – me, let me find Alabama State on my matrix because – got Texas Southern at home. They've got UAPB at home. Of course, they got the they have the Magic City Classic. They've got Bethune at home also. So they had they've they've got some tough road games in there. They've got FAMU, JSU on the road. They've got Val, they've got Valley on the road. And then they've got Prairie View on the road. I can see them going 6 6 and 2. And, he, and here's the interesting thing. I actually have them and AM tied at six and two. Wow. With, I think, and, 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 and I I'm, might be getting crazy with this Alabama State will beat AM in the Magic City. Okay. But, so I, I don't feel I don't feel like I'm so alone out there. Okay. No, but Alabama AM. We'll lose to FAMU and I mean, I, I think a and is going to lose to FAMU and Jackson State this year. I, I'll tell you what, I, I, I'm going to stay with my, uh, Alabama State for a second. I think Alabama State has one of the more intriguing non-conference schedules. And I, I can see your why you like what you like, uh, you know, when it comes to, you know, when if you like them in the Magic City Classic, at the end of the season, they've got Texas Southern and Mississippi Valley State on the schedule. Um, but i tell you, Alabama State starts the season against Miles. That's an in-state contest that... Alabama what, State will win the state of Alabama. I, I can't guarantee that. I, I think it, that means, and what you're saying is they start the season against Miles, end the season against Tuskegee. I can't and guarantee. And A&M in the middle. They, and they play, well, yeah, they play A&M in the middle. They also play at Auburn. I, well, I, I'm not really sure. in the state. Yeah, I'm not sure that Alabama State wins both of those games against those SIAC teams from Alabama. I'm just going to be honest with you. Miles will be the – and this is tough for me to say as a Tuskegee alum because the two schools we do not like are Alabama State and Miles. But Miles will be the tougher of the two opponents for Alabama State, despite it being Turkey Day. Yeah. And when, when we go back to this, you've got, you've got to remember that Turkey Day, Tuskegee has gotten out of the Turkey Day tradition. Whereas Alabama State is still in it. So this first year back in Turkey Day, I'm favoring Alabama State. Um, I, I want to take for a quick hot second as I'm looking at scheduling here. So, so your final again, you've got Southern Alabama AM in the SWAC championship game. Uh, I've got Alcorn FAMU. Non conference speaking, South Carolina State plays three SWAC teams this year. I, you know, when we talk Expansion. about. Oh, my fault. <laughs> <laughs> when we talk about big picture. If you get a team, if you get one of the Georgia teams to move up, stop. Stop. I'm just, I'm just, I, I, pure speculation. Just where, pure where I was going here before Drew started <laughs> speculating about stuff like that. South Carolina State is an interesting team to keep an eye on as it relates to the Black College National Championship race. 
the fact that they open the season against Alabama A&M. In that game, they will have payback on their mind because South Carolina State got embarrassed. They should, and A&M yeah. talked all kinds of junk on their on their turf. So if South Carolina State, who should show up with a pretty good defensive team, that'll be interesting, this, that contest, week one. But then also, South Carolina State has a pair of back-to-back matchups against Ole Miak rivals, against Bethune in week five, first week of October, and then um, home against FAMU, second week of October. Any number of victories. I think if if somehow Alabama or South Carolina State somehow wins, I'm just going to say, if they win all three or come out two and one, as along with winning the MIAC, maybe even going unbeaten in the MIAC, South Carolina State is going to be on people's tongues about a black college national championship team. Because, again, they're playing A&M, FAMU, two of the favorites in the East, <coughs> and then Bethune. And correct me if I'm wrong, didn't Bethune beat uh, South Carolina State uh, during the 19th season? Uh, I know fam, you beat them. Oh, I can't remember. Wait a minute, who beat who? I know, fam, you beat South Carolina State that year. And then I think South Carolina State beat Bethune. I South think. Carolina State beat Bethune. I think that's how it went, yeah. Because because I know it, it, it was crazy coming down to the end. You had four, four teams who could possibly win it. And right. every game mattered during the last weekend. Right. All right, so. Uh, but, yes, it's South Carolina State, even though we haven't gotten to the MEAC, but I'll go ahead and say this. The MEAC and South Carolina State's to lose. I disagree. We'll we'll talk about that. We'll talk about that during the MEAC show. <laughs> right. We'll talk about that a little bit later. All right. Let, let's close the book there on the, on the swag, and let's move over to the CIAA very quickly. They, too, had their preseason. Um, now, this is a conference that, look, they did not play the whole year. So, really, a lot of, a lot of the – suspense about who's done what we haven't heard anything from these schools because many of these schools did not play any games so a lot of the guys that were on the all-conference were standouts in 2019 um names such as quarterback jerome johnson of Bowie state and let's not forget Bowie state finished 11 and 0 last year they were our small school black college national champion in 2019 their only loss of the season came in the first round of the playoffs okay it was a shocker no doubt but they but they lost that game <clears throat> um had a heck of a squad so they'll go into this season really with a with a regular season unbeaten streak but uh, jerome johnson quarterback uh some other names Running backs, Deshaun Wellington of Shawan, Sidney Gibbs of Shaw, part of the all-conference team. Those are two big names. Um, how about Amik Watkins of Shawan? Uh, you know, Charles Hall, Virginia Union, uh, two, two guys who had big-time numbers last year. Defensively, Bowie State has a, has a host of guys who really – I mean, when you talk about a Bowie State that could be playing against – teams in the in the MIAC and the SWAC and, and holding their own, it's because of guys like uh, Joshua Pryor, who definitely is an all-defense – I mean, de- in terms of Division II national All-Americans, uh, he's one. Dimitri Morcel, and defensive back. Um, you know, I'm trying to see any other names that kind of stand out from a year before. But the predicted order of finish – in the CIAA pretty much looks to script on the finish from 2019. Bowie State and Fayetteville State predicted to finish one and two, both of them winning the North and South Division respectfully. 
Uh, Shawan, Virginia State, Virginia Union, three, four, and five. Both teams, all three teams coming out of the North Division. So again, more people think the North Division will be the better division. Uh, then you had six, Shaw, seventh, Elizabeth City State, eight, Johnson C. Smith, nine, Winston-Salem, 10, Lincoln, 11, Livingstone, and 12, St. Aug. I don't know that what, you know, I say, Drew, that was probably almost a script of what the finish was in 2019. I think the only thing that I remember looking back at this, Shawan moved up because uh, State was two and Union was three in 19, and Shawan was four. So they moved Shawan up uh, in the Northern Division. And they may have flipped Elizabeth City and Lincoln. Right. And, and I'll tell you, the other thing about the CIAA is there was a host of some new coaches that um, were looking to have their debut in 2020 that got interrupted. So I, I know at some point we're going to try to get on Chris Ferguson. You know, he is Mr. CIAA for D2Football.com. And I know Chris has had an opportunity to do all kinds of other things with his life <laughs> other than talk about football. But when I tell you, I saw him tweeting about the CIAA last week. I got excited. I knew it was football season because I saw uh, Chris Ferguson tweeting about CIAA football. So we're going to bring him on the show hopefully next week. And we'll be able to talk a little bit more about the CIAA. And then also we'll get a maybe mix that in with some talk about the MEAC, the SIEC, that'll be busy. I mean, that's a loaded conference, wouldn't you say, Drew? Oh, yes. And and trying to trying to make sense of those conferences where, see, at least when you had some action in the spring, it's, it's like maybe you got a little sense of evaluation and you had the transfer portal. But but the D2s, I mean, look, they, they just CIAA, SIEC, we didn't see anything. You didn't hear anything because there was nothing to report about. And you've got to be able to keep up with who's still at that school versus who's graduated and who and who's transferred. Yeah, I, I mean, you you didn't see a lot of buzz about the transfer portal for D twos, but but you got the graduation factor though. Like you said, you may have guys who, yeah, they were given an extra year, but if your school didn't have an opportunity for you to get an extra degree or a master's in something, you, you might have said, "I'm done." You know, I want to go on with trying to pursue something. You right. know, I let think me go get only, a, let me go pay some bills. Hey, the only significant D2 player in the HBCU level that I'm aware of, Tobias Taylor, who put his name into, I believe it was the 2020 draft, decided to take his name out, go back to school, but then he had to transfer in order just to be able to have an opportunity to play. So he did play. In the spring, I forgot the name of the school that did play in Division Two in the spring. Uh, so he did play. I don't know if he has any eligibility left in this playing this fall, but he's a guy who, you know, he's the, he's the guy that you know you you wish man. He, well, spring didn't count, so if he had a year, so if he, he played in the spring, he can come and play in the fall. Yeah. So the question is, you know, will he be playing in the fall? But that's just a name, former Virginia Union player that I was. And thinking. the only. Division two team that I know that played a game or two was uh, Savannah State. Yes, yes, you're right. And so, of Lincoln, course, Emma Waters got a couple of games in also. Lincoln did. Uh, Lincoln, Missouri played. Yes, Lincoln of Missouri played. Uh, they, 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 couple, couple of teams played a couple of check games. Let's just be real about it. Yes. Yeah. yeah they, so they, they, they took, they took a very needed check. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how teams preseason rank these things. And, and again, we're just, you know, I don't think you can take much stock into it until you kind of, a lot of it's going to be based on the numbers from 2019. So don't look at, I, I don't expect there to be too much of a shock and change in the preseason predictions from, from 2019, meaning I expect Miles to be favored high. I expect Savannah State to be favored high. I expect Albany State to be favored high. So just a matter, you know, how it all breaks down. So it'll be it, – we'll talk about that more in the shows to come. 
All right, Drew, as we wrap up, let's kind of get some final words and final thoughts here so we can uh, so we can get out of here. What's your final thought, final takes? Congratulations goes out to my second alma mater, that being the Tuskegee University, who elected board of trustees appointed Dr. Charlotte Boris as the ninth president of Tuskegee University. She has served as the interim uh, for at least two times, if not three times, uh, since uh, Dr. Payton has uh, retired. She's a former chief of staff for Dr. Be Dr. Benjamin Payton, uh, who I retire believe retired back in 2011. So she's not new to Tuskegee. She's been around the university for 30 years, and they offered her the presidency before, but she did not did not want to take it, but finally she's listened to Mother Tuskegee and has decided that she wants to lead uh, Mother Tuskegee now. All right, congratulations there. Uh, any other any other final thoughts? Any other any other quick takes? Uh, no, that that's that's I think that was my biggest take that I wanted to uh, to get out. Oh, let me take that back. Watch this SEC expansion, Texas, Oklahoma, going into the SEC. We'll probably be down from the Power Five to the Big Four conferences after that. And then you have all of the other current FBS members who will come together and have to do something. That will be an opportunity for a conference such as the SWAC to be able to jump in with the big boys as with a 12 member uh, conference. They're the second, they're tied for the second largest conference in FCS tied with the colonial uh, conference. So I expect those two conferences, if something should happen to position those, themselves to be able to compete with those not so big boys anymore with those uh with those other also ran conferences it was the group of five conferences now which would be which will probably still be the group of five if they don't uh do anything yeah you know that it's almost like they have to create maybe an fbs2 Ooh, uh, that that sounds crazy but you know or some some offshoot like you said after the 64 in football, it's going to be a whole nother conference or a whole nother division created. And kind of, I, I agree with you 100%. I could see a SWAC potentially moving in that direction and, and even possibly taking a couple of schools with them. It might even become 14 team league. I'm just saying, I'm just throwing that out there. I could see it happening, but you know, and we're talking a five, we're talking five years down the road. So this is this is Drew and B just throwing this out today, uh, but saying watch five years from now. Here's the sign: if the swag is serious about playing business and moving up, watch the Atlanta market. If the swag gets a team in the Atlantic in the Atlanta market, they are serious about getting ready to go compete with the big boys. They've already got. The Houston market, which is one of the largest TV markets uh, in America, they've got the, they've got the Dallas market. If they can get that Atlanta market to go along with that Florida market, uh, the the SWAC will become a major player when it comes to college sports. Right, and and it'll probably have to come without it being a solely dominant HBCU conference. I mean, if I mean because I, I, I'm not going, I don't know how they're going to attack the Atlanta market, but somebody is going to have to attack the Atlanta market when it comes to a Division One HBCU conference. Georgia State, Kennesaw State. Uh, I got you. Clark Atlanta, Clark Atlanta moving up. So, something is going to have to happen in that uh, Atlanta market. Okay. Well said. Um, my, my last thought and final take <clears throat> will have to be um, the announcements 
that Dennis Thomas, uh, Dr. Dennis Thomas of the MEAC announced his retirement, <clears throat> kind of uh, signaling this, this string of things that has happened over the MEAC over the past year. Uh, or really, yeah, I guess you could say over the past year and a half now, um, where most recently they had a new director or a new president leading the Council of Presidents, uh, the president from South Carolina State taking over for the president from Howard. To me, that was the first signal that some, and then also combined with the retirement of Lynn Thompson at Bethune-Cookman. And we started speculating the minute we saw uh, Lynn Thompson step away, watch out for a potential move. Now, we haven't heard anything. We're, we're you know, we don't know what's next. But Lynn Thompson, if he wants it, I think would be a great fit because he knows the MEAC. And if the MEAC is going to be saved, someone uh, of Lynn Thompson's background and what he did at Bethune-Cookman would be a great leader. You know, but the question is, is it worth saving? And so I think... That's the big question for the remaining schools within the MEAC. And, but I also think in terms of expansion and membership, it may, it may come to a point where they have to merge with someone like an A-Sun, um, a Big South, you know, and see how they can get back to having a, at least an 18 football conference. Right now, there's six. They've got to find two. And I know a lot of people want and wish for Division II teams to move up. But, I mean, short, <clears throat> short of somebody hitting the lottery and paying that bill, it just may not happen, folks. So, uh, you know, we'll celebrate the legacy of Dr. Thomas. And I think it does deserve to be celebrated. And I think he's taking a big hit. Um, in, he's in, taking in, a hit walking out the door. Well, but, that, but his overall body of work, he's he's done a good job. No, no doubt. And I, I'm just saying the hit has come from people who don't understand or respect maybe the history. And maybe you've looked at this small little window. But let, let's not forget, I mean, a series of, of uh, unfortunate circumstances. You know, the MEAC was very close to being a 12-team league almost a little over a decade ago. And, and so you can't help but wonder – if that would have happened, what this conference would look like today, they would be the super conference that everyone looks at the SWAT being. It wouldn't have been the MEAC. So it's almost like that 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 car that you had. It's a good car, good motor, and it, it, it carried you for a long time, carried you back and forth to school, carried you through your first job and everything else. But now so it's it's a look, it'll still run. But it's a little beat up. It's a little rusty, and the maintenance on it is becoming more than it's worth. That's kind of how. Uh, that's kind of how the, 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 this tenure has gone. It's time to get a new. It's time to get a new car. Time to invest in a new car. All right, Drew, you've been pushing him out the door for several months now. So I'm just, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, <laughs> I'm just saying, you just. But anyway, uh, so yeah, and then also congrats to. Uh, Dr. Jason Cable going from being the number two man at the SWAC to being the head man at Alabama State. Uh, big, big kudos to him. So a, a lot of people in the SWAC are looking to see who will become that number two man or woman in the SWAC. So keep your eyes open for that. All right. That's going to do it for us. Make sure to uh, <clears throat> stay tuned to the, the number of shows within the Black College Sports Network. Dr. Graville's inside the HBCU Sports Lab, as well as the Carlos Brown Show on the weekends. Uh, stay and, and check out the pregame show. Uh, make sure you're logged in with all of our shows, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Um, go download the Jericho Broadcast Network's app. That's where you can find all of the shows. Go to uh, the Google or Apple Play Store. My JBN or my BCSN is where you can download the app. Anytime those shows go live or post some new stuff, that's where you can watch it. And then you go everywhere else if you need to. All right. Podcast will be up later. All that good stuff. 
And uh, it's good to have you back, Drew. Good to be back talking. And we'll talk some more media day after we watch what happens this upcoming week. And we'll get a chance to talk about the uh, Big South teams, the uh, MIAC, the SIAC. I, I've never called it the SIAC or SIAC. Have you ever called that the SIAC? You ever called the SIAC? Yeah, I'll say SIAC. I've never, SIAC. I've never SIAC. I almost said SIAC, but it just didn't sound right as it was preparing to come off my tongue. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's going to do it for this show. Thanks for watching, listening. Make sure to down, download, subscribe, share with a friend, go support. A um, little money, a little cup of coffee, all helps. Uh, we appreciate it. Uh, that's going to do it for, nope, that guy, A.D. Drew. I'm Brian Fulford. Thanks for watching. Peace out. I'll holla. But